Welcome to Get Unstuck and Sexy podcast show with your host, B. Wright Jones. Sexy is the acronym for self-confidence, excitement, extra, and yes, I can. This podcast show will bring you encouragement, inspiration, and hope. Know that it's time to walk in your purpose with clarity, confidence, and power everyone. So I pray that this message for today um, is helpful to someone that is married or looking to get married. Amen. Um, My focus today is on marriage and my title is something that I use quite often, which is keep it sweet. (laughs) And my my scripture reference is um, from Ephesians 5, 28 to 31. I like the way it reads in the Amplified, so I'm going to read it. And it says, even so husbands should and are morally obligated to love their wives as being, in a sense, their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own body, but instead he nourishes and protects and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members, parts of his body, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined and be faithfully devoted to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Once again, that's Ephesians 5, 28 to 31 from the Amplified, because I like the way it reads. And um, the word of the Lord is already blessed. So people that know me know that I love everything about weddings. Okay. I watch all the wedding shows and, you know, I love when couples um, say their vows to one another. And I always end up saying, oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Um, It's sweet because it's very intimate because the vows are their personal feelings for one another. And I love when they choose to do their own vows along with the vows of the officiant. And um, as an officiant, I recently officiated a wedding where um, it was actually a friend of mine. And during premarital counseling, not just with them, but with all the couples that I counsel, um, I make it a habit of having the couples write love letters to one another. I ask them uh, many different questions and I give them different assignments. And one of them is the love letters. But I also, um, during the counseling, I reiterate over and over to keep it sweet. And I break down to them how you can do that. And that's what I wanted to do today because it's very important. Like you might ask, what does that mean? Keep it sweet. So um, that scripture that I read tells us that once we get married, we're one. So because we're one, you treat yourself real good, right? You're real nice to yourself, right? You do nice things for yourself. Um, You look out for yourself and you make sure that you are happy and that you have all the things you need. So when you marry someone and you become one, doesn't that mean that now the way you're treating yourself, you should be treating your spouse the same way, right? Or at least we should. Um, I've noticed over some time, even before I was married, since I've been married, been married 13 years, um, often, however, I find that not all of us are actually being sweet to one another. We're not actually not being nice to one another. Um, I say all the time that I notice sometimes people are nicer to the people in the streets, at their jobs, in their church, outside of their homes than they are to the people that are in their homes. That's not being sweet. Before your husband or your wife was your husband or wife, 
they were your brother and sister in Christ. Amen, somebody. So if that's the case, why are you treating them in the way that you're treating them? Again, this, this doesn't apply to everyone, obviously, but this applies to a lot of relationships. I see it on a regular basis. So I cringe when I see sometimes how married people talk to one another. They talk to one another so bad. And that's not sweet. That's sour. Many times it's quite mean and ornery. And why would you want to be sweet to a person that is treating you in such a negative way? So as human beings, we know that we have four basic needs that we have. And one is acceptance. We want to be loved. We want to be nurtured. Two, we want uh, identity. You're an individual. You're an individual and you're special. So you know you need someone to treat you as an individual who is special to them. We want security. We want to know that we're well protected and that we're provided for. And number four, we all have purpose and we want the person that we're with to identify and acknowledge that we have a purpose, that we're there for a reason and that they're with us for a reason. What am I born to do? Why am I here? Why am I in this relationship? We want that acknowledgement. Amen. So as adults, we usually know what it is that we want from a relationship with another person, with our spouses. So for me, when I was single, I used to think about, you know, daydream about my future. And I organized it around a little box, not necessarily becoming the perfect person for someone, but at that time, I daydreamed about finding the perfect person for me. And when we think about those little boxes that we put people in, we had, we end up meeting a person and we hand that box to the person and the weight of the box changes and it feels to them like a big expectation. And the person on the other side, you know, those expectations that we have, the hopes and the dreams and the desires that we have, we exchange that with that person and that box, we start negotiating what's in that box with the person that we share our lives with. And sometimes it gets skewed where I can't give you all these things that you have in this box, but are you even providing for me the things that you placed in that box? Okay. So now you look at that and you say, what are my expectations in this relationship? So now when you get married, you know, you take vows and those marriage vows are much more than a contract. The guy that I recently married, he's always oh, just another paper. We already married, just a paper, it's just a contract. No, it's much more than that. It's not just a contract that you can break by paying the overdue fee or paying damages or whatever. A, a marriage vow is a binding obligation, a binding obligation to love and honor and cherish one another for as long as you both shall live because Jesus asked us to do so. Amen. So this is a vow that we, that keeps us faithful, even when we don't always feel like being faithful and keeping our vows. We have a covenant with our spouse that we have to keep. It's a very unique vow that is explicitly intended to be binding as long as we live and as long as we're together. The words for better or worse, for richer or for poorer, for sickness and in health, you have to take into consideration the probability that it's not going to be easy and to keep those vows and, and things are going to come up in your relationship. But how you choose to deal with them makes all the difference in your marriage. Amen. So now circumstances may change. You may change. Your spouse may change. But what doesn't change is that covenant. What doesn't change are those vows. What doesn't change is the desire and the need to keep things sweet in that relationship, remembering again that you are one. So Luke 631 says very simply, do unto others 
as you would have them do to you. We forget that sometimes and we end up acting in a certain way where we're not taking into consideration how we're acting and what we're doing in these relationships. And you need to have a mindset that says, I'm going to do for him or her what I want them to do for me. That could be really revolutionary if everybody thought the same way, but we don't, people don't all think in that way. So the person that we marry should build our confidence in God as well as in ourselves. The person should stimulate us to reach our potential, energize us when we're weary, defend us when we're attacked, forgive us when we make mistakes, love us unconditionally, confront us when we go astray, serve us when we're overextended, respect us and value us. Now, if look at that list in the same way against yourself or about yourself, do you do those things for your spouse? Ask, the, ask yourself that question. If you're not married and you're in a relationship, ask yourself, those things I just highlighted, do you bring that to your relationship? Are you providing these qualities to the person that is in your life? We have to remember that marriage is a ministry, our first ministry. Marriage is work. My mantra that I learned from my husband a long time ago is I don't work hard. I work smart. So in business, that is my mantra. In my marriage, that is my mantra. I do not work hard in my marriage. I work smart. I pay attention to what's going on so that when I notice something that may be a little skewed, I fix it. I do whatever I can to fix it. We have to work smart in our marriages. A happy marriage is not hard. We as people are hard. We make things difficult because we try to be so extra. Sometimes we take little simple things and we blow them out of proportion and we don't need to do that. We don't have to show up for every little thing. Pick your battles, amen. Um, we don't have to always show up and we need to be sweeter to our spouse, just like we're sweet to that bus driver or just like we're sweet to, you know, the, the, the guy that passes on the street and the guy that we go, the, the, the people that we deal with in the restaurants and the supermarkets, we're sweet to them, but we're not sweet to our spouses, but our marriage is our first ministry because we are one. So now love says, I'm willing to see you as you see you in your best version of yourself. And that's how I'm willing to see you. In fact, love says that not only am I willing to see you as you see yourself in your best version, but I'm willing to see you even as you don't see yourself. Meaning I have to big you up when I see that you're doing well. You have to give those compliments. You have to encourage each other. You have to, you know, be the, each other's biggest cheer. My husband is my biggest cheerleader. When I'm bringing the word on, on Sundays, the Sundays that he gives me the pulpit, he is my biggest cheerleader and I am his. That's what you have to do. You have to cheer each other on and encourage each other. Why is someone else encouraging you or your, excuse me, why is someone else encouraging your husband and you're not? And why is somebody else encouraging your wife and you're not? Something's wrong with that picture. We need to look at that and realize that we must encourage one another, okay? So now love is more than a feeling. Love is a commitment. And that commitment says, I love you. I honor you. I cherish you. I'm not going to quit you. I'm not going to quit on you. There will be hard times. COVID came and threw people for a loop. There's things that are going to come up against us, but I'm not a covenant breaker, okay? I have this covenant with you and God doesn't like divorce, so neither do I. Now, that doesn't work for everyone and I know this to be true. However, 
you have to do the work so that that can be your reality and it can be your reality. So I'm almost done. So now if you are listening to me and you don't feel like you're getting anything out of your marriage, perhaps you're not putting enough into your marriage. We usually give our spouses the unfair and unrealistic responsibility of making us happy. That's not my husband's responsibility to make me happy. Now, do I want him to keep me happy? Absolutely. And he absolutely does. <laughs> okay. But it's not his responsibility to make me happy. So instead, I'm grateful and thankful for the role that he plays in my life. The fact that he goes out of his way every day to, to make me laugh and to make sure that I'm okay and choosing to make each other happy in things that we do on a daily basis. It's not our job, but it's a beautiful thing that we should be working harder at. Not harder, but you know, I don't work hard, but being smarter at working at. Amen. So you can do things that makes your spouse happy, like figure out what they like. You know, men are visual. Figure out what your husband likes, what he likes to see you in. Figure out what he likes to eat and where he likes to go. Figure out what your wife likes to do and, you know, what does she like to watch? You may not like to watch it, but you got to compromise sometimes and do the things that that is going to bring the two of you closer together. And in the process, you know, when you don't do these things, selfishness ends up coming and it causes you both to be very unhappy because you're not working on your marriage. You're not working together. You're not acting as one. You're not being sweet. That's not what you want. Amen. So you can change that today by understanding that there are things that you can do. If you want your marriage or any other relationship you're in to improve, start by being grateful for the person that God has blessed you with and try to bless that person every chance you get. Encourage that person, big that person up, give them compliments, let them know I'm thankful for you. God sent you into my life and I'm so thankful and grateful for you. And I love you for who you are. You're a child of the most high God, just like me. You're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. And I love you. And I know I haven't been the sweetest person to you, but this day moving forward, I'm going to be sweeter. I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to be gentler because I want this to work. Amen, somebody. So start being nicer. Start being sweeter. Again, go back to Luke 631. Do unto others as you would like them to do to you. So finally, I have some tips on how you can be a better spouse. Number one, keep God at the center. Number two, deal with your past failures and your past issues. Some of us are holding on to some things that are not allowing us to be sweet. Amen. There's some things that we hold some baggage that some of us are holding on to. You got to let that stuff go. Okay. Number three, choose a winning attitude. And this one is a good one because you have to acknowledge your negative thinking, identify and list your spouse's positive traits. Teach yourself to focus on those positive traits. Ask God to give you a biblical perspective of your spouse and express your appreciation, like I said, verbally and regularly to your spouse. Number four, learn your spouse's love language, words of affirmation, receiving gifts, acts of service, quality time, or physical touch. Those are the five love languages. Look them up, figure out yours, and figure out what your spouse's is so that you two can work better together. Number five, listen with an attitude of understanding and not judgment. Six, withhold judgment and criticism 
on your spouse's ideas and things that they come to the table with. Don't keep knocking them down, you know, with the things that they come to the table with. Number seven, affirm your spouse, even when you might disagree with their ideas, listen and be open and receptive. Number eight, make room for your weaknesses and for their weaknesses and don't hide yours. We all have weaknesses, okay? Number nine, maximize your differences in a productive way. Many of us have, you know, we have differences with our spouses. We, you know, we, we like different things, but sometimes they can actually complement the relationship. So maximize the differences in a positive way. Number 10, date your man, date your woman, go make it intent, be intentional about going out on dates. Remember why you liked dating them to begin with. Do the things that you guys enjoy. Make, be intentional about setting days, specific days that you guys date one another, whether for breakfast, whether you meet each other for lunch dates um, at your job, or you have these dinner dates, whatever it is, make sure you date one another. Number 11, acknowledge your role always. Number 12, focus on being the best spouse, like I said, that you can be and let your spouse be themselves. It ain't my business what Rev does. My business is what Tati does. I, I focus on Tati, what I'm doing. I don't worry about what he's doing. That's it. Focus on you. 13, make each other and your marriage a priority over all other relationships, except for God. God's first. Y'all know that, right? That was number one. Keep God at the center, okay? But every other relationship, secondary. 14, don't tell your spouse what he or she is not. Encourage them in what they are. Those words, these words that I don't like is you always or you never. Please don't use those words to your spouse. Please, if you have in the past, stop. And finally, number 15, the most important one, keep it sweet. <laughs> That's it. Keep it sweet. Just keep it. Remember why you fell in love. Remember why you like this person. Remember what drew this person to you. Remember why you married that person. Remember why that person is the one. And how, think about for a second, what would your life look like if that person was no longer around? That's one of the assignments that I give to my, uh, my, my, pre in my premarital counseling. Think about it. I can't imagine my life without Rev. I can't. I don't want to imagine my life without Rev. So I keep it sweet. That's what I need you to do is keep it sweet. Everything that you do within your marriage, keep it sweet. Be nice to the person that you say that you love. Amen. Amen. So look, I hope that someone got something out of this message today. I really hope it encouraged someone and I hope it helps someone to do better and be better. So Guys, I love you. I love you, Belinda. Enjoy the rest of the Power Conference and be blessed. Amen.